Hi, crew, and welcome back to the Beercast. It is your host here, James Rankin. This week on the show, I am joined by Tom Foxley. Tom is the owner and coach of Mindset RX. That's Mindset RXD. He and his team work to extract every ounce of potential from their clients through various different mindset strategies, some of which we actually dive into on the podcast here later on. Tom is someone I've followed for a long time, and I highly recommend some of his free resources, including his podcast, The, Limit- the Limitless Athlete, pardon me, and his newsletter, Quad Shot at Brain Gains. This is a really, really enjoyable and informative episode for me, and hopefully you find the same. As always, team, if you haven't already, please subscribe, share, follow, all that good stuff, and enjoy the show. Tom, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, dude. I'm stoked to do this. I'm so excited for this. Um, Tell me, uh, what are you geeking out on at the minute? What are you diving deep on? Yeah, so it's the kind of, it's the trifecta of mindset that we talk about with these kind of quarterfinal slash semifinal athletes. And you can think about it like a Venn diagram where all three meet in the perfect mentality for performance. And those three elements are rewiring the story. So what does your subconscious believe? This is kind of the traditional more sports psychology background or kind of more, um, yeah, yeah, kind of traditional psychology, maybe not sports psychology, but that kind of realm. Then you've got um, regulate, which is what's your nervous system up to? What state are you in? Are you freaking out the whole time? You're in this fight or flight mode where everything is like fidgety and you feel like you're over caffeinated and you feel stressed out. So you can't really kind of do the things that you want to. Or are you the other end, you low and slow and you can't, you feel heavy and lethargic when it comes to compete. And then finally, you've got the perform aspect. And that perform is how do you make this count on the competition or qualifier or gym floor? How do you approach your workouts? How do you get back on track when things go wrong? Um, How do you modulate your mindset? How do you approach lifts? And when one of these pieces of the equation is missing, you end up where you can't apply it to the competition or you always fall into self-sabotaging behaviors or you feel like you know your story and you know how to perform um but you kind of you feel like your energy is wrong like you feel sluggish or it's too like over ramped up and all of those pull you away from optimum performance so where i'm geeking out right now is like how do we combine all those with our athletes and how do I do it for myself too? Because that's what I'm interested in, to perform optimally when it really counts. Nice. Wow. There's a lot to unpack there. Um, yeah. <laughs> this is why you do it for a living. Um, <laughs> with CrossFit athletes, with high-level athletes, do you find that there's typically one that most fall into or is it spread across the board? Yeah, most will, they'll start off because it's like it's the easiest one to access they'll start off by thinking what how can i approach my pre-lift routine or how can i get a pre-competition routine or what kind of um how can i get back in the zone how can i try and find a flow state and we'll be very much we'll be very much focused on what am i doing in this workout at this time and then what inevitably happens is because it's kind of the buzz word or because it's in the zeitgeist at the moment they'll end up going okay cold water exposure breath work um maybe some meditation blue light all this kind of stuff to regulate the nervous system but what we inevitably find is 
they're doing all this stuff but don't really understand why they don't really understand what their baseline setting is and why and they're not addressing the fundamental which is sleep and they're not doing things like hydrating sufficiently and they're over caffeinated and stressed out and rushing because that's the way that life kind of fits and then they kind of like they put off for as long as possible the traditional psychological route of what is my story what do i believe what is my like kind of mental emotional narrative and state um on a day-to-day -day basis like what's my mental emotional landscape because that's the messy work there's a system to it but it's perceived as messy and it's perceived yeah. as uncomfortable and it has it doesn't have to be as painful as some people make it out to be yeah how important do you think that is for general population like knowing their uh mental landscape like what's important to them and having a value system that sort of stuff i would say it is as close to everything as is possible because what you see is what you can act upon and if your belief system if your narrative, if what you think and feel excludes information that is so important to you, then you're not going to act on it. Like you can only act on what you see and beliefs and our mental emotional landscape, they distort and twist the information, the data that comes into you. So another way of thinking about it is like, if you went around with a kind of piece of, purple cellophane in front of your eyes you'd be looking around thinking oh everything's purple like you'd forget that everything was purple. like you'd just be thinking oh yeah this is the kind of the the hue of the world and this is the equivalent of i believe i'm not good enough or this is the equivalent of i'm overregulated, or this is the equivalent of i don't know how to perform properly in a competition we have to take that away because then you can see the world clearly and then you can interact with it. It's like um, being in one of those house of mirrors. You know, when you walk in and everything's like the wrong shape and the wrong size and like you can't see properly and you don't remember how, like where everything is, that's, that's mindset. So if you can't do that, it doesn't matter how fit you are. If you can't do that, it doesn't matter how skilled you are. Um, it doesn't matter how good a communicator you are with your spouse. It doesn't matter how good you are at practicing your recovery. Like all of those things, are limited you can't access them because you can't see the world as clearly as as it actually needs to be seen wow that analogy has hit me straight away that purple because i can actually picture that now and i can see it in myself and i can see it in people i coach and all of that where they just have this blockade almost of this is what happens and there's no way around it. So for you then as a as a coach on this, what are the what are like what are the big rocks that you can easily give people and go, here's step number one in actually starting to change this? Okay, so the first piece is typically some sort of testing phase. Okay. We need to think, just like in the strength conditioning program, yeah. we think, where are you now? What do you, like, if you're going to work with a strength and conditioning coach, the first thing that happened would be, where are you now? Like, what are your lifts? What is your 400 meter time? What is your 2K row time? Like, and you want to build up a baseline. And we need to do that with our, with our mindset too. So it's like, first thing is assessing your mental, sorry, the kind of um, the physical aspect of this. So what's your nervous system state? 
are you someone that is constantly hyped up or are you constantly sluggish and slow and lethargic that's like number one because when we've got that then we can think about do you need to recover better do you need to spend some time deregulating do you need to do less which is almost always the case with like kind of people in today's life but there's yeah. there's things to do the whole time yeah. and even our downtime it's not downtime is it because we spend the whole time scrolling on our phone and your <laughs> mind is processing all the things that are coming up the whole time and your body is triggered by the blue light that's coming in and you're kind of processing this information constantly so it's not actually it's not actually rest yeah it's some sort of work that your body perceives it so the, the first step is testing and then the other thing that kind of goes hand in hand with that like I said, most people are already working on the kind of performance aspects to some degree um, is working on the rewiring thing. And that is we need to figure out what is the story at the heart of this? What is the narrative that you believe? And we do that by watching your thoughts. We can do that by watching your emotions. We can do that by watching your behaviors and also your physical sensations as well. Those are all clues and indicators toward what do I believe is true that is not necessarily true interesting and does there tend to be like a, a a connection between people who are maybe overly hyped so like they're highly caffeinated they're always ready to go and uh their general like self-messaging or their general narrative and then is there one the converse where people who are super chilled don't do as much really lethargic maybe not chilled but super lethargic and not as active and the kind of stories that they tend to tell themselves is there a connection there between the type of people or is it very yeah, everyone's in, everyone's an individual so there's there's that but there is a framework um, yeah. like to go on the individual individual like perspective for a second and just kind of bolster this out because it's kind of it's both yeah. at the same time um the individual perspective is you are you not only because of your parents and their genetic material creating you, but also their parents create their and their genetic material creating them and so on and so forth for eternity since we were amoeba. So there's like this really fine funnel selection where it's like you are completely individual, despite sharing 99.6% of your DNA with both you and I have is yeah. identical. That difference is so unique because everything that happened to them in some way is passed down in terms of their genetic expression to you. So like that's really individual. And then you have your whole entire experience of everything that you've had happen to you in life, everything that you've thought, everything that you've felt, um, everything that you've experienced, everything that you've done, every movement you've performed has in some way shaped you as well. So on one hand, you're super unique and like there's there's no kind of one it, mindset is typically a one size fits one method right. but there are patterns and kind of sections that we we typically start off putting people yeah. into and we have checked chaser I have to remember these now because they're all very similar checked chaser changer and the champ so checked checked is slow sluggish lethargic i don't think i can do this i'm not good enough I don't deserve to be here. Um, very kind of, I'm not good enough orientated. Yeah. And that is typically the kind of overly parasympathetic fear response. Like I'm, I, I'm not good enough to be here type yeah. mentality. Then you have the chaser. The chaser is 
again, it's, it's funny because it's another form of I'm not good enough. Is it like when it comes down to it, a lot of mindset stuff is I'm not good enough. Yeah. Um, but this like over-caffeinated, hyped up, like the kind of the energizer bunny model of like, go, 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 go. If I've got to do more, I've got to do more, I've got to do more, I've got to. And you can look around the gym because these are the kind of the people who are hyped up. They are always the loudest people there. They're always trying to prove themselves. And it's like, I've got to do more, 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 more. And you're smiling because you probably recognize a couple in the gym. Yeah, me. <laughs> yeah. Okay, there you go. So you say it's like, again, it's like, yeah, it's, it's that kind of forcing behavior that we see. Yep. Then we have the changer. And the changer is someone who one minute is feeling great. They're nailing it. They're in a good place. They're kind of that, that middle ground that we want. And then they creep over because they get like, overstimulated or something doesn't go their way so they really push hard and drive hard and then they fall into that chaser and then that inevitably because they push so hard they drift down and try and find balance by kind of um by going into that checked mentality checks and like checkmate yeah and then finally you have the the champ mentality and the, the champ is i've got balance i've got perspective i'm not overstressing i can still work hard absolutely i can work hard and push hard but i feel somewhat detached from the outcome i'm process driven i'm like yeah i'm process driven and i'm performing my best but this isn't everything yeah interesting that framework's cool i like that and it's so i kind of see a bit of myself in all of those Mm. is that common enough yeah i think so there's there's, a lot of experience yeah there's moments in time where i'm like the champ hey whatever happens happens i know i'm working here um i'll take my time off and and this and then there's other times where i'm definitely like the chaser like i feel like that right now where i'm like i need to i'm not doing i literally spoke to our manager last week about how i feel like i'm not doing enough at work and i I, the default is pushing more yeah yeah go give me more like what what else can i do and he's like Mm -hmm. dude and then there's sometimes where i feel checked and i'm like like from chasing all the time where I just feel, oh, and then I go through and and the cycle lengths change and they're probably not as dramatic as they used to be, but I definitely used to go vum, 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 all the time, like changing from one to the other. So I'm just wondering, that's obviously, imagine in the CrossFit space, that's super common. Yeah, absolutely. Like you can, you can even see it when you watch a competition you can see yeah. the people who are just crushing and they're like in a really good place. You can see the people who are mega hyped up and stressed and running from something. And then you can see the people who just like, who can't quite find that energy that they know they want to have yeah. in order to perform. And the key here is we are cyclical. We follow these waves and patterns and um, that's essential. You have your circadian rhythm, you have your breath, you have your heartbeat. These are all like contractions and relaxations. Like you're going to have those. But the key is to perceive those when they're small enough amplitudes. Like, so typically what happens in someone who's like a real change model, they'll go from like a minus 10 to a plus 10 to a minus 10 to a plus 10. But somewhere on the way between those, you go minus nine, minus eight, minus seven, minus six, all the way up to zero, where you kind of want to move around from like one to two along with that. Um, And you need to learn to perceive when you get like two, three, four, and you're on the way back up. Okay, what can I do to modulate and bring myself back down? And part of that is the awareness of your nervous system, the awareness of your kind of, 
whether you're sympathetic or parasympathetic, so fight or flight or rest and digest. Because you get that kind of physical sensations, you'll notice your thoughts racing when you're on one end, or you'll notice your thoughts being a bit defeatist when you're on the other end. Um, and part of it is being aware of the story behind it. So what am I believing? How am I acting? Because we've got, if you really want to know what you believe, look at what you do, not what you say. And that's how you find out, like, am I acting like someone who is terrified that they're not going to be good enough and they have to do more and more and more and more and more in order to succeed? Or am I acting like someone who doesn't give a shit because what's the point? Yeah. And then that's like, that's your kind of behavioral pattern. And if you're on your way to that, you can kind of shallow out the curve a little bit. Yeah. Interesting. I love that analogy of like trying to catch, like trying to catch it whenever it's a three or four. That's really cool. Um, you mentioned earlier, like people doing like ice baths and meditation and stuff, and they're doing it f- for the sake of doing it. And they don't really know why. But there must obviously be some benefit to them as well. Like, can you, are they good tools to help you figure out what your nervous system is doing? Like if you, if you can't get into the ocean whenever it's freezing cold, or if you can't get into an ice bath, or if you can't sit with your thoughts, is that a real telltale sign of something you need to work on? Yeah, I would, I would say so. Um, like first thing to say is Rachel, our head coach, is the master of this stuff. And I'm kind of parroting what she says in Perfect. this domain and the, the people that I, I learn from. Um, however, yeah, there's absolute benefit. Like you're not going to not get the physiological benefit because yeah. you don't understand the process and the why. So you might happen upon the right process for you. But in the same way that you and I don't need the same training program, and a kind of an elite cyclist and an elite weightlifter don't need the same programming we have to change the the physiological response and the, the mindset response too um because well we're, di- we're individuals with different starting places and different goals so we need to find out what works for you what do you need but yeah you still get the benefit like there's this cool study that shows that with cold exposure a lot of people get the necessary cortisol, um, sorry, noradrenaline dump that comes from getting in the water because they're so scared they actually get it before they get in the water. Their, their mind is, is like, is the, the fear is there. They, they're producing the noradrenaline and the adrenaline that kind of stimulates that growth and that change. And therefore you can learn to experience what adrenaline is like before you even get in the water, if you're scared enough. Um, if you really believe you're going in so like yeah you're going to get the benefit you're going to get the process and within that always it's always a learning opportunity within a difficult workout within uh, cold exposure within sitting still and watching your thoughts um, within all of this stuff it's all there to learn it's all there to um, give you more insight into your inner inner world in both a kind of mental emotional world and also in a kind of um, nervous system based world love it i love it um you spoke you mentioned sleep along with that stuff earlier as well um which i'm not surprised but i am surprised to hear you as a mind, mindset coach say that how important is sleep whenever it comes to our mindset so we're talking about the birth of your child recently and, yeah. and what that's like um how many sleepless nights have you had or nights when it's been like oh man just up the whole time thankfully literally in six months one okay yeah how did you feel the day after that 
fucking awful. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And it it just changes the way you think. It changes the way you feel. Like yeah. the so I went through Royal Marines training six years ago or something crazy. Um, yeah, like six years ago that I, I passed out, maybe seven or eight years ago. God, it really was a long time ago. I'm definitely aging. Anyway, um, <laughs> they, like I went through that, and like the hardest part of that is yeah it's physically really difficult yeah there's the skill set of like learning how to like to to be a soldier essentially um all these kind of things that you have to learn but the hardest part by far that gets everyone is the sleep deprivation because you're doing things that are physically difficult but you're worn down and you're like you see people after the first night of being screamed at and shouted at and being up in the, the rain and the cold in a situation that wouldn't usually challenge them but if they've not had enough sleep they give in and it kind of exacerbates what's there already it's like if you have that hint of negativity if you have that kind of hint of self-doubt or fear um the sleep maximizes or the lack of sleep maximizes that and turns it up to 11 and that's like that's going to be the thing that crushes people that's when you're at your weakest um so yeah like from a mental emotional perspective it's essential and then look at it from a recovery point of view as well like that's when you're learning skills that's when you are physically recovering and gaining your strength that's when your body is healing itself and it's also when your mind is essentially healing out as well it's like where your brain is getting rid of all the the old shit essentially and rewiring those new connections so yeah it's 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 the piece that athletes typically don't want to focus on it's the piece that it was like, yeah, eight hours is good enough. But hey, guess what? If you're really pushing, eight hours is not enough. Like I speak to Brent Fikowski in the podcast the other day and he's like, yeah, nine, 10 hours, even with wow. a kid. It's like, that's how much he's, he's aiming at a day. And he's in a lucky position or fortunate position. Uh, he's worked hard to get there, but he's in, yeah. he's in the position where he can do that because um, he doesn't have a nine to five job. Mm-hmm. But still, like that's, that's a precursor. Like Rachel always says to our athletes, like, if you're not willing to put in the effort with sleep, I'm not going to coach you. And that's kind of where wow. it starts. Yeah. Daily. But it's funny though, isn't it? It's like that, the whole hustle culture and it's like sleep isn't sleep. It's not sexy and no one really pats you on the back for it. Like there's almost bragging rights whenever it comes to lack of sleep. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, I'm like a, a huge Kobe Bryant fan. Like I love Kobe and that whole Mamba mentality. But then his attitude was like, he tells stories or told stories about how he was in bed at one and then he'd get up at four and he'd go to the gym and he'd have a little nap and he'd be back at the gym. And his attitude was, if I can put in two more hours a day compared to the other athletes, then at the end of the year, I'm all of those hours more. But I'm like, as a coach, I'm there like on, yeah, but how productive can that training really, really be? Because mm-hmm. I know what I'm like on a lack of sleep. So yeah. are, there, are there some people who can get away with more or what way is that working? I think like the way I think about it is for me personally, for the athletes that I work with, I don't care about anyone else. I care about what works for you. Yeah. And I haven't found anyone yet that we work with that responds well to three or four hours of sleep a night for an extended period of time. And like, there are going to be times when you can't sleep 
because you're so worked up about what you're doing and it's so meaningful to you. Um, there's going to be times when you don't get enough sleep because just life happens. Um, but 80% of this time, you should be sleeping as well as you possibly can. And this is what Andrew Human said as well. For the other 20% of the time where you're not sleeping, make sure it's for a fucking good reason. But that's really what we want. Like, if you're having a great time, if you are really caring about something so meaningful to you that you don't have that, then absolutely fine. Like, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for that. We're looking for a good reason why you're not sleeping at 100% capacity um, and or we're looking for like 80% absolute negative. Yeah, that makes sense because I talk to this, I talk about this to some of our members all the time and like people who work in big jobs, they have big positions and there's high pressure on them. And even like other gym owners and stuff, there's times where sleep just isn't the most important thing. Like you have 14 hours of shit on, to do a day and you have a family. So sleep's the last thing that has to happen sometimes, but it's, you see that creep into, it's not 20% of the year anymore. It's six months of the year. And then it's the year and then it becomes a life. And then that's when I've seen people just crash and burn yeah. and bad shit tends to happen. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. I'm, that, I'm doing this maths on the fly, but like, let's see, let's see how it goes. If you're operating at 60% capacity or maybe 40% capacity for 14 hours a day, what is that compared to operating at 100% capacity for eight hours a day? Like, which is better? Like, yeah, that's what we're looking at. Like, you could, we can, we are so much more productive at our best than we give ourselves credit for. There's something called, um, is it Parkinson's law, I think. Basically, a task expands the amount of time you allot it. If you give yeah. yourself 14 hours to do it, like the You'll classic take example is homework. Yeah. Like when did you do your homework? The night before. And it technically took a week because you had it, but it really took an hour. And you could yeah. have done that way before. And you definitely could have done it in half an hour if you weren't dicking around the whole time. Um, <laughs> but like this is this is the process that we need to we need to kind of be more intentional, more specific. And then when we're having our downtime, have downtime. Yeah. not the half half do work half checking our emails half scrolling through instagram half watching netflix that's not downtime yeah like when you when you're accelerating hard you gotta to learn to put the brakes on too and that's what we're doing yeah that makes sense it's that analogy of or that example of eight hours at 100 versus 14 at 60 yeah, that makes it clear cut in my head. I, I get sleep and I know I need sleep. I know I'm not a great person when I get lack of. Um, mm -hmm. Let's dive into a little bit about um, confidence and lack of confidence and self-doubt and the roles they tend to play on uh, people's ability to perform, whether it's probably the examples for you is obviously in the CrossFit space, but it, it, it kind of transfers across, right? Do you find, how important do you think confidence is? There's the adage that a poor plan executed at 100% confidence is better than the great plan executed with 50% confidence. Like when you really go with something, you're going to give your all. Like, and that commitment and that self-belief behind that is what creates growth like 
and also like let's get at this from a subjective point of view from our own personal perspective what feels better like when you're really trying to execute what's important to you what feels better and where do you get best results like we could put i'm sure there's loads of studies we could we could look out for this but like what do you want what do you know you want you want that confidence yeah. you want that belief you want that in a in a self-assuredness it's like yeah i've got yes. this and it's that cool calm quiet collected like i've got this and i'm going to give a hundred percent of my ability that really creates what we're looking for here. yeah and yeah that's always it's always something we chase for but maybe this is my perception on things and um, it can also be kind of like people don't look at it and appreciate it. Sometimes they look at it and despise it and they don't like it. And I, I get that arrogance is something, and we can go into this as well, like that overconfidence and people don't like that. Like no one likes that. But sometimes is that a common thing that you've seen where confidence isn't appreciated and it, it doesn't, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I get we. Yeah, I get where you're coming from. There's like the when when you see Conor McGregor walking into an octagon, you kind of there's part of you that thinks like, man, that is like the swagger, especially like early on in his career. You're like, man, the swagger that yeah. came for that, like that is what we're looking for. Um, but then you like you kind of there's also part of you that thinks like. I don't think that's great. Like, yeah. I, I don't like that type of person as well. I don't enjoy that kind of, yeah, some, something feels a bit like icky. icky. It. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like, um, but we know what we're talking about. There's, there's something in there, like, we know what we mean when we're talking about confidence. It's that kind of, that swagger, but not quite swagger. It's that yeah. kind of like, the I'm backing myself, but I also don't quite care about the results i'm just going to go in and crush this and i'm going to give everything that i possibly can to this experience and i think that's what we look at and like as part of our society that especially in like if we look at the uk if we look at um, australia and new zealand and some parts of canada too we have this kind of tallest poppy syndrome where we don't want to stand out we don't want to like be the tallest poppy that gets cut because like it's showing ourselves up. It's making ourselves vulnerable to risk. And having spent a good amount of time living on the West coast candle where this is less so, and then having come back to the UK, I see it really is prevalent here where it's like, don't stand out. Yeah. Don't aim at the best. Like that's the implicit story that like that I hear anyway. And I see everywhere. It's like, you don't want to risk showing off like you don't want to risk being arrogant but what that does i think is diminish our potential yeah and i think there's more confidence more certainty more self-belief can only be a good thing for us like it's look at the kind of the best elements of the american dream of like you can make it you can do this and you can be self-made like i think there's certain parts of the uk and australian museum definitely they could do with that they could do do with 
thinking less about I don't want to stand out I don't want to make a fool of myself I don't want other people to think less of me yeah. and spending more time thinking I can do this I don't care how I appear to other people I'm just going to do what is authentically and and kind of yeah authentically and beautifully me and that's where the kind of the the story side of things comes in because it's like what's the story that I'm telling myself here is it if I don't if I don't fit in, if I risk standing out, then people won't love me. Is it yeah. that I'm going to get rejected from, from our community? Is it that, yeah, people won't like me, that I won't be loved? Just go back to that old story that we are taught to believe. And like, that's why this is so key, because if you can get rid of that belief, or if, it, if you can at least amend it to becoming more truthful and more serving, then you're in the best place possible. Like you are hundred percent in the best place possible, and that's what's gonna that's what's gonna help you. And how do we get there? How do you get to that point of I am me, this is who I am, and not that you don't care what anyone else thinks, but you don't let that affect you, and you don't let it you don't be someone else because of them. Yeah. Test, aim up, presence, and proof. So oh. testing, figure out what is the belief at the heart of it. How does it show up in your thoughts, emotions, physical sensations and behaviours? What is the story behind it? What is the belief at the heart of this? How does this affect your performance? How does this affect you on a day-to-day basis? What does this make you do that you don't want to do? How does it make you feel that you don't want to feel? What is the belief at the heart of this? And why is this a problem? What's the fear at the heart of it? Um, And yeah, what are the ramifications if I don't leave, if I leave this unchecked, where does this end? Because well, we need the carrot and the stick. So we need this complete testing of like, what is the problem? Then we have the aiming up piece. What's the vision? What does success look like for you? What does what are the character skills that you need to develop to get there? What are the milestones along the way? What's the goal for year one? What's the goal for month one? What's the goal for the first quarter? What do you need to do today to get you there? What skills are you going to practice along the way? So we have this kind of juxtaposition of the old story and the new story. So the new story is the one you want to be, the, the person you want to become, you have the potential to become. The old story is what's getting in the way, it's the problem, it's the, yes, it's the messiness, it's the shit that gets in the way. Um, and it's the thing that causes that lack of belief or the fear of standing out or whatever it is. And then you go into presence because what inevitably happens is when you start walking steps forwards, you need that presence in there because you're going to fall back into old patterns it's like you're walking along this tight rope and you're thinking oh man am i going left or right like you get this pull back to to reality or pull back to the old pattern because it's this very physical thought pattern that you've practiced over and over and over and over and over and over and over again in your life to the point where your your mind just wants to carry it out by default you've got to develop enough presence and focus on what am I doing now? What is my emotional state that I'm not going to fall back into that pattern? Um, so like that's where the present piece come, presence piece comes in. And then it's about proof. What am I going to do? What am I going to think intentionally? What, um, what actions am I going to take that prove that new story to be correct? And this can be in the forms of like exposure therapy is a really good example of this. So if you were terrified of doing a handstand, 
I wouldn't just get you to kick up against the wall over and over and over and over again. I'd get you to put your feet on maybe a couple of plates, just do a plank with your feet in a couple of plates. And then that would be the, the best goal for us. And then it'd be feet on a box. And that'd be like, oh, okay, I'm starting to feel scared, scared now, but I'm going to keep doing step forward. And then it becomes, okay, we're going to get your feet onto like two boxes or maybe like a 45 degrees on the wall. And you progress slowly, 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 slowly until you prove to yourself not the not the the problem wasn't a problem but you're stronger than you ever believed was possible yeah. that's what we want to do here um and that in doing so that proves the new story to be true so if i believe that i'm gonna take action towards being who i want to be and risk standing out and then therefore no one's going to love me or that i'm not going to be accepted in the community i'm going to test like find out what the story at the heart of this is like i'm maybe it's i'm scared of not being good enough i'm going to create a vision which is i'm going to be the best version of me possible whatever that means for you like maybe it means getting to the semi-finals of the crossfit games or whatever it is for you um and i'm going to like see what that looks like so i've got a new story to follow then i'm going to become present and focus on all those behaviors and patterns that could lead me back to the wrong place but i'm going to be present enough to keep walking the line and keep doing things that take me towards my goal and then I'm going to reinforce the proof by imagining visualization is a key piece. Like I'm going to visualize the, the end goal. I'm going to write down my wins at the end of the day, and I'm going to select the proof very intentionally that proves to me that I am still accepted, that I am good enough, even though I'm taking these steps. So I'm going to write down things at the end of the day. I'm going to fill up this bucket of positive proof that proves not only am I come, becoming the person that I want to become, but I'm getting all the things that I want to get. Yeah. And then through repetition, 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 this kind of very physical structure of myelination. So like the, the neuro, neuronal connections in your brain, the pathways in, in your brain, that becomes more wrapped and insulated and therefore something you can do again and again and again and again. And then that replaces the old story. That becomes a new story. That's your new normal. That's how you behave without even thinking. And that's the goal that we want to get athletes to from like kind of from that mental, emotional perspective or that rewiring perspective. Um, and we, when we do that in addition to performing in your specific skill set, and when we do that in addition to re-regulating um, your nervous system, when all three of those meet, it, they form like a pyramid and push up and structure, and then you get like the, the ultimate goal at the end. Yeah something i i notice and um i've tried to work through in my head with uh some people i've coached is they have a body of work whether it's they've done the thing whatever the thing is they've done it over and over and over and over and over again but there's still not belief so they have clear proof but they're this the same self doubt that was there before they ever did the thing is still there. And is that because then they haven't gone through the process of, Oh, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I want to believe. And they haven't done the steps and they're just, here's what I believe. Here's what I've done. And there's no real connection there. Is that what's going on? Exactly that. Yeah, exactly oh. that. It's, be it's because their story is so strong, so rigid um so well enforced through years and years and years of repetition and also um through years of other people enforcing this at very kind of 
maybe vulnerable or meaningful or um, transient periods of their life. Like maybe they've been told a certain thing when they were incredibly vulnerable as a kid and that shaped what they viewed as reality. And they haven't, they haven't done the work, but also so many of us haven't been given the tools either. Yeah. We haven't been shown that this is the way forward. We haven't been shown that like, it's, it's a very rare athlete or a very rare person who's been given these tools. Yeah, if you don't have the awareness that you can change, you can't change. Yeah. Shit. I was having this conversation with a friend who's like actually going down a different work. He's going through like a, a therapy route on this. Um, he texted me the other day. It's like, like, how do you not get frustrated with everyone else? Like when you've seen this, how do you not get frustrated? And it's like, well, <laughs> on the bad days when you when you haven't had enough sleep and you're feeling a bit grumpy and stuff. You like, do. Oh man, like, yeah, you, you do. Um, <laughs> but like with enough practice, it's, and with like when you're actually seeing again when you're seeing things truthfully not through lens of like poor regulation or a yeah. poor story what you realize is you can't change what you don't know and what you need to do what everyone needs to be doing is given the option to change first given the, the toolkit the perspectives and the initial coaching journey is just giving perspectives until people can see reality as it is like imagine imagine you got a statue in front of you right if you are only looking at that from one angle, you can't tell whether that's a statue. You can't tell what's in the back of it. You can't tell what that reality is. You can't tell whether it's seen 2D or 3D. Like you can't tell what that is, but only by going in different places and looking from different angles, can you see the statue as a whole and therefore can you see reality as a whole and therefore can you interact with it properly? And this is the same with life. Like the only time we can change things is when we've seen the whole picture or as much of it as possible. Um, because otherwise we're just so trapped in this one way of viewing the world. Fuck. <laughs> You've knocked me, Tom. You have hit me. That has clicked in my head. Damn. I like that. It, it, yeah. Good. That's what we're here for, man. Yeah. So how do we... What's step one then to have a, a, a perspective shift? If I'm, I'm trying to think where I have, I try and be quite open with a lot of things and I'm pretty good at at least trying to see other people's perspective on stuff. But I don't know how I got there. Great. Mm. So conversation is one piece. Yeah. Like having someone that, that was actually the same conversation I had um, Jason Kalipa on the podcast. It sounds like I'm just name dropping, but it was like, it can reference people into the same, the same show. I had Jason Kalipa on the podcast and I was talking about the best calls that I've ever done with coaching calls. Like we run this uh, software called Crisp when I um, record um, podcasts and when I do coaching calls. And what that does is it filters out all the background noise. What it also does is it, and by the way, it's great for podcasts, but um what it also does is it gives you a percentage of the time that you are talking during the call. And the best calls that I do, the ones where athletes like, man, I just feel different are the ones where my talking is around four to 5% of the conversation. <laughs> and the reason why this is, is because a, I'm good at ask, like answer, sorry, asking the right questions. Like I've, I've heard it enough where I can give you like, Oh, is that true? Like, what do you think about this perspective? And so you have that conversation, but also because speaking through our problems gives us an, and through our challenges it gives us a perspective especially with a very authentic lens it gives us 
a perspective that we wouldn't have got without it. It's only through verbalizing things rather than having them this, this kind of weird mess in your head and kind of like just like these half-formed thoughts. It's only by verbalizing that that we can see what we actually believe. Yeah. So there's a few ways to do this. We can do this in conversation. We can do it by watching our actions. So remember that the best way to say what someone believes is by watching what they do, not what they say. Mm-hmm. Or it can be by journaling as well, because the journaling process is writing out our thoughts. It's seeing what we believe on paper. Um, and it's that process. Like it's basically we need to find some way of getting perspective of our internal world. Yeah. And thoughts, meditation is sometimes a useful strategy, but it doesn't kind of give you the the exact my belief is um and yeah like so that's how that's the way we start on this amazing that's deadly that's super interesting what you said about being on a call because i noticed that as well where the best conversations i've had like after class or before class with with members or with friends or family is the ones where i shut up i listen and i just ask probing questions not like surface level shit but like like you said, like, how does that make you feel? And that sort of stuff. And it's funny, I was listening to someone's podcast. And I can't remember who it was, but they were talking about this sort of stuff as well. And the guy, the guest was telling a story about people in first class on, a, on an airplane. Mm-hmm. And they would sit beside this person who was planted there. And the person's only job was to just ask them questions about themselves. So for like 13 hours flight from UK to America, that type of thing, they would just, if I was the person I'd be going, Tom, tell me about this. And what do you do for work? And it was only ever this question about you, always about you. And then they'd stop you as you got off the plane and go, Oh, how was your flight? And every single time they were like best flight ever. I met this person, super interesting. Like, I can't wait to talk to them again. And they'd be like, oh, tell me about them. And they go, and they'd have nothing to say about the person. But because people get to divulge and talk about themselves, they thought it was phenomenal. Yeah. there's, And I, we don't get that opportunity in day to no. life. We don't get that kind of like, I'm just going to talk about myself. <laughs> again, it's like <laughs> the same this, the same conversation, the, or the same guy that I have this conversation with, we've kind of got this ongoing uh really good friendship where we can actually discuss this kind of shit he's like it's so nice to talk about me like to have this kind of like it's like it's worth paying the money to this therapist who's very expensive for him um that it's just like oh i just i just get to speak about myself <laughs> i get i get all this time to focus on the most important subject in the world which yeah. is me <laughs> amazing that's great. Uh, but it, there's a huge amount of value in that as well. And it's also from the kind of the emotional side of it and the story based side of it is giving yourself value. It's yeah. um, it's proving that you are a, a worthy individual and like, and sure there's taken too far when someone only talks about themselves, you, everyone thinks they're an asshole, but like, that's not what we're doing here. That's yeah. not the type of people we're talking about. We're talking about the type of people who need to generate self-belief, who want to, move forwards in this world of growth and they want to move forwards towards their potential um and speaking about yourself articulating your problems articulating your best path forwards any challenges that you're encountering on the way um and articulating your beliefs and how to move through those beliefs is yeah an essential part of that yeah early dude this has been great um i'm very conscious of your time though and i don't want to eat it all up um 
If people want to hear more, find out more about Tom, where do they go? What do they click on? Yeah. Um, so the best place, I don't post much on my personal Instagram stuff anymore, but I am like, I'm, I'm trying to make a more concerted effort to do that. Um, so Tom Foxley, T-O-M-F-O-X-L-E-Y on Instagram um, is, is one place, but the best place to go for like mindset, um, coaching perspectives. Um, we've got a bunch of free resources. It's Mindset RX. So that's Mindset RXD, Romeo X ray Delta. Um, RX is in you've RXed the workout, past tense, um, because it's something you've done and something you've achieved. Um, so yeah, um, Mindset RX on Instagram, mindsetrx.com website, and the podcast as well, um, which is the Limitless Athlete podcast. Highly recommend. Listen to it every week. Um, and you're you have a a newsletter as well which i love is that yeah, just quad shot is that from the yeah, website quad, that you get that yeah quad shot of brain brain gains um so four things that you can apply to your mindset and your training and your life i try and make it kind of it's through the lens of what an athlete who wants to go from quarterfinals to semifinals that's the kind of athlete that we yeah. work best with and that's the one that we love working with however it's always written with a principle-based approach so no matter if you're trying to go to the next level in your career or trying to improve your relationship or just be happier and healthier it applies to you too if you can extract those principles so um yeah quad brain gains um it's somewhere on the website probably on the free resources um we, we're going to be doing redoing the website in the next few weeks months um and kind of make it a bit more streamlined so so yeah look after them love it tom thanks so much man i really appreciate this my absolute pleasure thank you man